22 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And, uh, yeah, we kick things off by taking a look at the latest out in the markets. Joining me on the line uh, to take a look at all of the big stories and company news and in the political economy, joined by Snesipo Maninjos. Snesipo, good evening. Welcome. Um, evening, Aya. Welcome back. Danko. Danko. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Um, uh, yeah, I hope things were good in my absence. Uh, you know, the usual, the sheds, water. Oh. You know. I, I oh, wake up God. to some other things now. You know how Joburg's cyclical season works? So there's two things. There's an infrastructure, inadequate current infrastructure within um, Joburg water. Issue one. Issue one, there's been quite a few leaks. Um, I've been part of the club that has been without water. Uh, for a couple of days, number one. Number two, the reservoir has gone low, has um, decreased in size because once the sun is out and you've been in heat waves, people have been filling up their pools left, right, and center just to get a bit of relief, and that has resulted in increased water usage, and it hasn't rained. So, yeah, people been filling up their pools. People have been filling up their pools. Please, guys, can you switch off those creepy crawlies on those pools in the That's north? That's actually what's happening. Please. Guys, I must talk to my other residents in the north because I'm not in that pool, so I don't know these problems. But um, these Please, man, us peasants, we don't have water. So that's Please. part of this. So, so they've implemented stage two um, water shedding, guys. I guess yeah. <laughs> I need to stop laughing. I, I, need to, I, I actually I need to stop finding the humor in this. Well, uh, looks nice, but I mean, I, th- I think it's not too difficult to, right? There's load shedding on the in- electricity side. There's water shedding on the water side. And now it seems if you are a customer of Transnet, there's some freight shedding. Yeah, force majeure. I, I even like the force majeure. So um, Transnet workers have down tools. Um, there was a report earlier on today that Trump is meeting at the negotiation table uh, with CCMA. So the likely, as a result of the fourth measure, um, Transnet, so let us be very clear. So Transnet is in dispute, and the reason why there's an issue is that Transnet, you've got Transnet Freight Rail, which is the transportation of goods, um, goods primarily um, goods within the rail network. Mm. Then you have Transnet Port, which um, has a monopoly on the port, the country's port. So because they're down work, they're downing um, tools and the workers because they actually haven't got any substantial increases. Just like every other, just like every other industry. Industry. However, when you are critical servers, your tantrum has a bigger impact. Um, so um, we've had, um, since this morning, quite a few mining houses, um, Anglo, um, Kumba, and the likes, uh, Tigela as well, on the likes, all making announcements um, uh, concerning the force majeure and its um, related impact in terms of goods, because it, it affects them from a cycle perspective, so it's production as well as logistics and as well as storage. Mm. So they've had to they've had to downsize their operations, um, so that because they run a production schedule sure. on the production schedule, and um, they've all been um, talking about um, the how much it's costing them in billions. You've got they 
head of business leadership at SHU, it's an article I saw on ManyWeb, uh, talking about the billion lost. Um, that is not the first time Crossex has declared force majeure. It did declare earlier on the year because of the floods and um, other events, but this one specifically is um, structured yet towards um, there not being any staff. Usually, um, um, well, I think once, once we saw what happened with income workers and their strike action, um, it motivated other public sectors um, to also um, to also force the hand of the negotiating table. We can't um, run away from the fact that the cost of living has mm. gone quite substantially, and that, in all fairness, um, it is criminal that no one has received uh, living an adjustment for the cost of living. What, what is the employer offering here compared to, I guess, where the index that gives us the best measure of shifts in cost of living, which is the you know, consumer price inflation is, which is around 7 point something percent. Um, so what I mean about, um, what I mean about, um, uh, what I mean about in, um, in terms of um, cost of living adjustment, I mean the actual real cost of living, not what, um, not what is reported as inflation, because that for me is not a basket of goods increase. So based on from what I but can I guess let's say, even that right even that very conservative measure is much higher than I suspect Transnet is offering to the employers here to the employees here. They, they, they actually offered four percent, and the unions are are requesting twelve, thirteen and a half percent. And inflation is at gas, seven, seven point five. Yes, it's of that four percent. That is which is I, I even me I get it. Plus a once off um, pre tax payment of five thousand rand, but ultimately. That's nowhere near of what the cost of living has come to. If that's a basket of goods, you've got to consider also the fact the basket of debt, mm, which mm. we also overlay. So you've got interest rates have come up, um, petrol has come up, cost of food has come up, and you are offering 4%, half of what inflation is. It's the audacity of this offer. That's all I, when I saw that, I was like, ah, you guys are playing games. But I mean, are we are we now where we found ourselves a few months ago at ESCOM? Yes, because ultimately people have not been getting. I actually, I, 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 I struggle. I honestly struggle from the bottom of my heart for people to not understand the, the certain word of cost of living increase. What gives people the right to say that you should not get a cost of living increase on a factor that you do not cause? Yeah, and also, yeah, you know, the other thing I find so bizarre about uh, the commentary and, and the reason why I try and connect it to the ESCOM issue, you would recall at the time ESCOM was saying part of why we were low shed was because there was a strike, right? And I think part of what is being said now to many mining companies, you know, uh, exporters, of even things like fruit. I mean, I saw the Berry Association making a big, uh, uh, you know, uh, a story about their concerns in the papers yesterday. Part of, I guess, what they are saying now as well to many of those customers is that Actually, your woes are going to get worse because of these employees without really saying you're, you were in a bad space even before that. I mean, ask any of the miners and even some of the fruit exporters how difficult it was to get uh, their stuff to their export markets using ESCOM's rail lines, ESCOM's, you're sorry, Transnet's rail lines, Transnet, Transnet's ports and so on. Yeah, so remember, like I said, Transnet is called force majeure a few times and it has nothing to do with employees. So. Hmm. 
Yeah, this year, alone, this year, this year, I would say for the past 12 months, starting from July 2021. But um, if we have to be um, realistic, and, and, and I always say people forget the concept of social contact, um, the, the, the principles of social contact in that there has been a significant increase of cost of living. Um, you have most employees contracts, specifically on that part of the world, which have not um, moved for the last past couple of years. And now, because Europe gets, um, you have now said that this is okay. I've heard, like, I was watching, I was reading some tweets, people talk about, oh, why does they have had so many staff? And I'm thinking to myself, somebody, uh, is actually understaffed and under-invested infrastructure-wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it's the audacity of it all. And yeah. I think also the... Um, Plain lack of empathy that we move towards. Um, sure, sure. Well, Sesibo, I want us to pause on that one because we're going to be talking about that in the second hour. Uh, but let's stay in the transport space. Uh, very interesting uh, assertions here being made in a, I guess, uh, a court order, which was published on Friday uh, out in the uh, Eastern Cape High Court in Gramstown and Makanda. Uh, and uh, relates to this matter, I think uh, you certainly would be aware of it. Intercape alleging that uh, they are being intimidated, uh, extorted from by taxi associations who are saying, uh, you know, don't work in these routes, reduce your prices, we want a cut, you need to pay some levies, and uh, typical, I guess, you know, cornering of economic rents um, as a result of, uh, I guess, something not quite peculiar to the Eastern Cape. We've seen it before in many other places, the Western Cape here in Gauteng as well. Um, What do you make of this and I guess some of what is contained? Uh, in the assertions made by the judge in this judgment, um, saying the Minister of Transport has been indifferent, and that at some stage even the MEC uh, of Transport in the Eastern Cape uh, was actually doing some of the bidding for the minibus taxi associations. No, I agree with the court finding, and it's actually quite a shame because I believe the taxi industry is very critical to the country, Mm. but we cannot run away from the criminality abuse of certain elements within the taxi industry and case in point what has happened to Intercape. Now Umbas is busy flying to Saudi or doing uh, posing for pictures on social media. Instead of looking at this as a the critical issue, they're indifferent to it. It's actually the, the main problem. We have seen how the taxi industry has through its criminalistic Criminal behavior in certain elements, just so I can't get food, um, has led to the inability for uh, ordinary circles to, to access safe, reliable transportation. So, so are you suggesting, Snesipa, and I think many South Africans have, have said this on this show before, that there's a um, certain despondency, so Ukhulmeda just throws their hands in uh, with the taxi association rather than dealing where there are instances of criminality, you know, rather than, I guess, bringing a very strong state-led law enforcement response, it seems like, because, I mean, some of the comments that are being attributed to the former MEC is, Hamani, go and negotiate with them, go and speak to them, uh, and do what it is that they want, rather than actually saying, well, there are certain things we're empowered to do, and one of those is to act within the ambit of the Act, Transport Act, but also get law enforcement involved, and it seems that that hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened out of pure choice. This is a this is a choice element, and I think sometimes we forget. Well, let's let's talk to be what's the mandate of um, transport? 
the manager mandate. Yeah. Quite a simple message. So now, simple. you've got an issue. You've mm. got an issue where you have a situation where a component of this multi-transport, this multiple forms of transport, has some criminality, and you are refusing to act. Mm. This thing is quite simple. And it, it, it's not higher grade, but it's the unwillingness. And it shows the... The, 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 just a lack of apathy. They would rather spend billions looking for new transfer solutions where you can actually integrate. Like things like your backstrap, the transfer system, um, your um, continuing rail. All of these things, investment, all of these things are helped back by the taxi association, the community. Anyway, all of these things are yeah. not getting, and it's, it's, it's a need to appease. I, I want us to pause on this one because I, I think this this might make for a much bigger discussion. I, you know, we've spoken a lot of times here with the likes of Santaco and many others, and I and I'm interested, I guess, in, in maybe getting over the next few days or so some of the taxi associations in the Eastern Cape. I mean, we've spoken to Okoteta, Nokata, Western Cape, and others, but to get on Neto and other taxi associations who are in the Eastern Cape to come and explain to us one what has happened here, but also just to give. Uh, you know, the authorities in the transport space a right of reply. And, and uh, we're certainly going to be reaching out uh, uh, to many to say, look, guys, wh- what's your perspective on this uh, court judgment? Of course, we also want to study it but uh, and make much clearer sense. But uh, certainly something interesting here that uh, Intercape has been alleging has been happening since 2015 or so. But let's shift away from that one. Nobel Prizes for Economics. Uh, I find this so interesting. Bern Bernanke wrote a working paper in 1983. He gets a Nobel Prize for it nearly 40 years later. Uh, it just means, I guess, uh, when a student, when a researcher uh, who feels that uh, whatever work you might have is not being seen, uh, hang in there, clearly. Yeah, dream delay is not dream delay. Yeah, dream delay, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's quite interesting. So I, I, think, I think we need to just, just add on some building blocks. He did mm. a study in 1983. He then was um, within the executive of the Fed through another period, through specifically the banking crisis, where he implemented his research as well. Mm. He, was, he drove policy and action, which ultimately was based on his paper that he had written um, three decades prior. So um, that dream delayed or dream denied, as much as everyone likes to point out on the paper, there is something about being a building block of continuous work within your field. So, because knowledge builds on knowledge. Now, it's quite interesting, his paper. So, he's looking, he's researching in terms of um, um, the recession, during the 1930s, and specifically, why, what was the catalytic, um, what was the reason why the Great Depression lasted so long? And he attributed it to, um, with some of his um, co-authors, uh, was the failure of the banking um, system, the collapse of the banking system, where people were through large amounts of money. Now, what's interesting is that when in 2008 we had the financial market crisis, where he, there was, um, where the government, in a sense, bailed out um, the banking sector, banking sector, and you had sort of what you would call a quick rebound. So, 2008 or nine, you have your financial crisis. Then you enter a period between 2012 and I would say 2020 of the most insane stock market run. I don't think anyone where you have a proper bear market. You then have your um, 
you then have your black swan, which is COVID. But then you also have a rebound again. However, this time you trigger inflation, mainly because of our, our dear guys from the Vlad or Vlad. You trigger you trigger inflation because monetary um, economics teaches us, financial markets teaches us, is that the, every time the state prints more money, makes interest rates to down to zero, you're going to have a raise in inflation. Mm. In the prior intervention in 2008, that post-2008 um, intervention, that actually didn't happen. But it happened now because of uh, external forces. But I think, I mean, 2008, um, and this is unsurprising if one looks at the you know, intellectual trajectory of Bern Bernanke um, and his reading of the Great Depression in the 1930s or late 1920s, um, he really saw, I guess, at the center of the entire recovery, leave aside the fact that banks are probably at the center of the entire crisis, or as he says in his work, bank runs, create and deepen the crisis. He also felt that bailing out the banks who they felt were too big to fail was probably very much part of the solution. And it seems many people still believe that. I mean, including one uh, Olivier Blanchard, one of his colleagues and, uh, you know, somebody who writes textbooks on the stuff like Bern Bernanke. So, uh, but the other things that I'm quite interested in, I mean, is these awards, uh, just the Nobel Prize in general. I mean, not the most democratic, not not the kind of stuff, you know, it's not like, um, you know, Klasner Metro FM Awards. No. You know? Not that kind of thing. Not that kind of thing, please. Uh, before uh, we get into that part, I was I wanted to add, which I forgot, was that the reason why I think this is um Chris, uh, I lost you there. Um sorry, I was just I was just saying that um I'm not sure proposed yes, yeah. the critical issues within Chris and if his sort of research and thinking is now going back into that level of thinking, which is is critics um um quite too big to fail. They mm. have um offered to buy some big back about yeah, like yeah. and that's really what brought it. But going back to the Nobel Prize, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. I've got a spot break nearing on me, so hold the line there for me for a second. We'll complete the Bernanke story after this. Seventeen minutes it is before eight p.m. Joined by Snesipo Manindra, independent market commentator, analyst, and CA for our wrap of the top business stories. Snesipo, just as we wrap up on this Ben Ben Bernanke story. Uh, yeah, wh- what do you make of him? I mean, as I said, you know, as um, a student of, of economics, probably one of the most recognizable faces and figures for me because I, I started start well, I studied the stuff around the time of the 2007-8 crisis, and he was very much a big personality um, in global news and how the American uh, policymakers were responding to that particular crisis. And uh, it seems he was informed very much by his own, you know similarities or differences he found between that crisis and the Great Depression? Yes, um, I like him. So I like him, generally. I like him. Um, there are very few economists I like, so he's one of the few I like. Also, I think it's because I studied, I, I was in school varsity during that period, so it, it presented quite a very interesting large case mm. study of um, your theory being put into practice. Um However, I do think that in some of these thinking, we've evolved beyond that point because we now have a situation where um, inflation is out of hand and the response to that is increasing of interest rates. And I don't see that lowering anytime soon. Um, yeah, but this thing... And for me, like I, I keep saying this, and this is literally the hill I will die on they need to be a better, they need to be another response than increasing interest yeah. rates because fundamentally, 
In South Africa, we went from about 7% and we're heading towards 10%. Sure, sure. It's bad, but think of someone who went from 0 to 4%. Yeah. Sensible? That is worse. Yeah. That is significantly yeah. worse. Well, and uh, I think uh, we'll certainly say a bit more about that in our discussion with the folk out at Transnet. But maybe just your last comment on uh, the prize itself, how people get to get the prize. And, um, yeah, I also saw on, uh, you know, social media, also Nobel So White. Of course it's Nobel So White. They're in Switzerland, Ivo. They're within the colonizers. Ivo, guys, are all economic problems in Switzerland or in white society? I know about colonizers, but it's colonizers. But also when you think of the criteria... You have to have been a member of government. Um, uh, member there, are no of governments, there are no governments in South America. But also, it's one that they date. That's why I say this. Of course, it's going to be noble for white guys. Please. They will never do that. But it's. <laughs> Let's leave it here for tonight.